I don't see how you can even argue the fact that this view or this uh, this worldview really is not radical in any sense of that word. Fear not, dear listener. The path to enlightenment is before you. Leave the darkness behind. Open your eyes. Grab your spears and brush your teeth. For you will be led to the battlefield, armed with sharp minds and fresh breath. Stand by. Welcome to the show where an apple a day will keep anyone away if you throw it hard enough. One small part of a larger movement for freedom pressured into silence by a culture that seeks nothing less than total obedience. Your hosts, Scott and Max, are here to help you to find the courage and resources to become uncancelable. This is Cancelled Out. All right, we've got some, uh, we had some scheduling issues this week, so Max won't be joining me for the recording of this one, but it's all right, Um, he's going to record the bonehead, so I won't be there, so if you're wondering why, that's that's it, Um, although I guess you'll be listening to this after the bonehead, so you already have noticed that I wasn't there. Anyway... We're going to continue our discussion on CRT, critical race theory, and this is part two. We're going to talk about the killer views, right? Kind of aptly named, if if I do say so myself. So, remember, um, basically we can sum up critical race theory by two phrases. One, everything is racist. Two, everything that we have needs to be destroyed because everything is racist. And so, uh, I don't see how you can even argue the fact that this view or this uh, this worldview really is not radical in any sense of that word. I mean, you actually literally have to change the definition of words, which is what they're fond of doing, actually, um, in order to be able to argue that the view is not radical if you're being intellectually dishonest. Um, as we'll see here in this quote, uh, again, I, I mentioned it before from Will Ormus or Remus. I don't, I don't know, but he said, uh, he's a writer and he said, the theory is radical in the sense that it questions fundamental assumptions. And unlike some strands of academic and legal thought, Critical race theory has an open and activist agenda with an emphasis on storytelling and personal experience. It's about righting wrongs, not just questing after knowledge. Many of their ideas are not radical today in the sense of being outside the mainstream. Critical race theory is widely taught and studied. And we went over that in part one. So if you didn't check out, if you didn't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Go back and re-listen to part one, then come back here and listen to part two. Um, this is going to be a three-part series, and just reiterate that again. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about views and themes and words and phrases and all this kind of stuff that 
um, these the people, the proponents of critical race theory use in order to kind of insert this view into our lives. Uh, really, they're shoehorning this thing in to every level or trying to shoehorn it into every level of society. Because again, they believe that racism is ever present. It never goes away. It's always there, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether you feel like it is or not, no matter what your opinion is, racism is always in every situation in life. What a one, what an awful way to live life. I mean, honestly, I don't, it's often said that there is no such thing as a happy leftist. And I can't help but think that these kinds of people, I mean, these people are leftists, but this kind of worldview, I don't know how it contributes to happiness on any level, honestly. I really don't. Because it's all about dividing and, and being divisive and, and things like that. You, we'll, we'll talk about it here in just a second. So, um, common themes, right, of critical race theory. First, we can say, is uh, the critique of liberalism. So, the... CRT scholars question liberal concepts such as enlightenment, rationalism, like literally the ability to use logic and be rational. They question this. Uh, legal equality, constitutional neutrality. And then they challenge the step-by-step -step approach of traditional civil rights discourse, which is what we're known for in America. Uh, they favor race con a race-conscious approach to social transformation. Again, everything is racist. Critiquing liberal ideas like affirmative action, color blindness, that's the you know ability to not see color or favor color, not the actual, you know, I guess it's a disability now, or not the inability to literally see color. Uh, role modeling or the merit principle, or like meritocracies, um, an approach that relies on political organizing in contrast to rights-based solutions. So, um, literally, this is what our society is built on in America. I mean, not everywhere else can say that. Um, most of the Western countries can say that to some degree or another, but Truly, America is in its own category when it comes to this kind of stuff because no other group of people, no other population of people have the freedoms that we do in this country. And I don't think that you can really argue that. I mean, people would like to say, well, we have a restrictive economy or we have restricted this, that, or the other. Okay, there has to be a framework within to work. But when you compare life here and life outside of the borders of the United States, of which I've visited many countries, you quickly find out how blessed that we are. It, there's no comparison, honestly, anywhere. Nowhere. Not even Europe. So, um, critical race theory literally questions the foundation that America was built on from a philosophical standpoint. 
um, or a pseudo philosophical standpoint. I guess the liberalism is a philosophical standpoint. So uh, they also rely on storytelling, counter storytelling, and here's one that you've heard for a really long time. Maybe you didn't know it was part of CRT, but naming one's own reality. This is the whole my truth movement that you hear typically feminists use. And the easy and obvious argument to that is if you have to if you have to qualify what you call truth, chances are it's not it. It's not truth. So, uh they use these narratives of you know, the storytelling to basically extrapolate on racial oppression experiences and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, be, you know, this is because a common refrain is, well, this is my experience. This is my truth. Well, okay. That may be your experience and it could even be the truth. Let's just say, um, but that doesn't, the comparison is that, um, because they also believe in intersectionality and things like that, which we'll get to in a second, but the comparison being made is, well, my experience trumps your experience, regardless of what it is, because typically, well, almost always, because I'm a black person, because I'm a brown person or whatever word they want to use there, um, but my experience trumps your experience because you've never experienced said thing or whatever else. And oftentimes, at least in conversations I've had, they are very surprised to, to learn that I've experienced some of the same things that they've experienced. Maybe not to the same level or degree, but have had some of the same experiences. Um, so storytelling is a big thing. This is how this is what they use to draw out emotion. And, and this is why you, you hear and see them, you know, getting emotional and crying and tearing up and all these things, um, which is really, I mean, honestly, when you boil it down, this is just a manipulation tactic at the end of the day. Storytellers are doing so to manipulate your emotions. I don't care what it is, if it's um, in a relationship, in politics, in business, I mean, that's a huge storytelling is a huge thing in business for marketing and things like that. And there's a reason for that because it elicits emotions. And in, it, in some level, on some level, it is a manipulation tactic to try to elicit an emotional reaction out of you. Um, whether that's used for good or bad, you know, that's really the question. <laughs> but you can't really deny that it's kind of a manip it's manipulating your emotions and, and taking you from how you feel at one moment to the next. Um, they also use revisionist interpretations of, of history and civil rights and things like that. This is where we get, you know, the, what is it? The 1619 project. Um, I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I just had a brain fart, uh, and things like this. These are, these are not even, I don't even, it doesn't even classify as pseudo history. These are, these claims in this report, you know, have been debunked by scholars 
ever since it came out. And yet, there, people are still trying to push this garbage into schools and whatever else. And this is one of the main underlying documents, um, quote-unquote historical documents, that proponents of critical race theory use when it comes to civil rights. Um, but, you know, they have uh, their vastly differ, different opinions um, when it comes to, like, Board v. Board of Education, um, you know, and just completely rewriting history um, and revisionist history, which is one of the biggest um, detriments to actual scholarship and actual study and actual education in this country. Um, I challenged a teacher one time because they were teaching what was in the book, but what was in the book was not actual history. And um, I asked them, I said, hey, can I, <laughs> for the test, do I have to write what the book says or what do I ha can I write what I actually know is history um, and know what is the actual truth as to what happened in this situation? And then I got questioned, you know, what do you mean? And I explained to them, you know, the differences and, and cited primary sources even. Um, and they just kind of, looked and grinned you could tell that they were kind of on the spot and or that they may have agreed with me um and known that fact or been questioned on that before um i don't know what of that it really was because i never did ask um because i wasn't going to make a big deal about it but they just kind of grinned at me and said well just put what's in the book and that was the end of that conversation <laughs> but uh this it's a especially when it comes to history and historical narratives revisionist history and revisionist interpretations of history are just awful and they've been around forever i mean howard zinn is one of the most prominent figures in quote unquote american history and he's a complete communist and marxist and his books do not recount history from an actual historical perspective it's nothing but basically his personal memoirs and his opinions on everything but he titles it and calls it history which is crazy so and, and people in colleges and, and educational institutions quote unquote educational institutions pick it up as as history it's insane insanity so uh they rely on this and you see this in, in just politics in general too i mean look at now um when we talk about Bush and invading Iraq and all this other kind of stuff, look at, um, you know, how we want to put Clinton in a different light and whatever else, um, then was true to reality. Um, all of this stuff, this stuff happens all over the place. It's not just in CRT. So don't get me wrong. Um, it's a main theme in CRT, but it doesn't only exist there, and it exists on both sides of the aisle, um, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, also, another theme is intersectional theory, which has been taught in colleges for quite a few decades now, um, and this is the examination of race, sex, class, national origin, sex orientation, and how all of that combination, which is the way that they intersect in your life plays out in various settings. So this this goes along with the storytelling. 
and this goes along with the experience thing that I mentioned, that my experiences trump your experiences. Well, this goes on to the level of, well, my opinions and my everything trump yours because I'm a black person, because I'm a gay person, because I'm this, that, or the other. It's all what we usually call identity politics and things like that, but it's it's a way to organize people and put people in a hierarchy that um, where one person, if they meet said criteria, is above another person who doesn't meet that criteria. So typically, um, you know, we, we joke around in circles that I run in that straight white Christian male is the lowest of the low on that hierarchy <laughs> because we don't, there, there's, not, there's no criteria that we meet that um, anybody doesn't criticize, anybody doesn't, it, it, that it isn't acceptable to make fun of or make light of anything else. But if the same thing were said about a woman or a black a black woman or even a black male, um, that would not be acceptable in society. And so, you know, this is where all of that kind of uh, speech and that kind of talk comes from is from intersectional theory and it's just garbage and it it literally is racist and sexist and everything else on every level um and these are typically the people arguing that they're not those things so yeah go figure that out and this gets passed off as education um so uh another thing is um that works along with this. Some of these are kind of, they're separated, but in reality, they, they all work together in conjunction. So they're really the same thing. The Another one is, is standpoint epistemology, which is the view that a member of a minority has a, the authority and the ability to speak on racism that other racial groups don't have. And so... <laughs> Again, a way to divide people and put them in a hierarchy. Um, essentialism and anti-essentialism. So, um, this is a look that, or a look at the ways oppressed groups share in oppression, but also have different needs and values that need to be look, looked at differently. Um, you know, you can say that, um, it's a question of how groups can be quote unquote essentialized or are unable to be essentialized. This is saying, you know, um, do, uh, middle-class working-class African-Americans have different interests and needs, you know, do, black people and Japanese people as a, as oppressed people. Now there's other issues with this comparison because Asians don't typically fit into the people of color category. Um, even though they are because of how successful they are in society, but as to, to try to remain consistent as quote unquote people of color, 
what needs do black Americans have over Asian Americans? You know, those are completely different. Those are very different things and whatever else because people live differently. And it this attempts to um, group everybody in by race, of course, you know, and try to discuss these things when the reality is everybody's an individual. So everybody has individual needs. Sure, your individual needs may be similar or the same as somebody else's individual needs. We all have very common basic individual needs that are all the same. Shelter, food, and water. Right? But this is speaking in a... Uh, more abstract you know you gotta you gotta take on an elitist attitude with this kind of stuff and you gotta you know well what do we need financially we need government intervention and whatever else asian american as a black american we need government intervention asian americans don't need that because they're some of the highest earners in this country and the cult and as a cultural group they are the highest earners you know because they place an emphasis on that in their home lives that's a cultural thing that Asian Americans have, or Asian people in general have, over other cultural groups. That's just a fact. But we got to divide everybody by race and, and critical race theory. Uh, and this is a, a funny one. Um, empathetic fallacies. So it's believing one can change a narrative by offering an alternative narrative in hopes that a listener's empathy will quickly take over, right? But the critical race theory view is empathy is not enough to change racism, which is funny because that's actually literally what changed racism in this country anyway, uh, and outlawed it in 1964 <laughs> with the civil rights law. I'm just saying, you know, maybe read a book, but who knows um but that empathy is not enough to change racism as most people are not exposed to people you know different from themselves and people mostly seek out you know and find and research and study information about their own group that's why that these people can say that educational institutions are white supremacists because all we do is study about white people in the history of america well okay, we do study about white people in the history of America, but that's because the Europeans are the ones who settled America. It has nothing to do with the actual color of their skin. It has everything to do with these are just historical facts. And, and you can see, as I you know talk about this stuff, the manner in which everything is tried to be questioned and undermined um, just because the people involved in, in actual history were not people of a certain color. And so, yeah. Uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, so... Those are a lot of the, the main tenets and whatever else, the main, th main themes, rather, in uh, critical race theory. Another one, as a more umbrella term, uh, because it embodies a lot of things, is white privilege. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I just had to get my white privilege card replaced. And uh, it, it, was, it, was got, it was just getting worn out from being used all the time because I'm a white Christian male. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I had to go to the go to the IR or the social security office and uh, get it replaced. So, you know, now I've got a new one and uh, ready to go again. But <laughs> this white privilege nonsense is supposedly a set of social advantages, benefits, courtesies that come with being a member of the dominant race, which is white people. Um, this also comes into play in nearly every situation when you are white um, and talking to a black person or a person of color uh, when we're speaking in critical race theory context or anything else. Honestly, it's gone way beyond the critical race theory context. And people try to apply it to literally everything without any... There, there is no proof of this anymore in this country. This is the thing. Yes, we had a history, or we have a history, rather, of white people having more privileges and opportunities in this country. You cannot deny that. The unique thing about this country, though, is that white people are also the people who destroyed that system and got rid of it. Nobody, I don't know of another country in their history that could say that other than America. I could be wrong, but I don't know of another country where that's happened, where, where the quote-unquote dominant race fought, killed, maimed, tortured, all the above itself in order to help people of a minority group. The Civil War was literally brother fighting brother, father fighting son, all of the above, killing each other in war. And one of the byproducts of that was the releasing and the emancipation of slaves in this country. Please tell me another country where that's happened. Because I don't know of a single one. And then, yes, of course, after the Civil War, there's a period where black people are still treated as less than the rest of the population. I get that. I admit that. There is, there is no getting around these things. These things are facts. But that's all that practice and that institutional system that they, you know, as these people like to put forward was also abolished in 64. So for the last 50 years, or 60 years now almost, we've had, we've rid ourselves of this kind of stuff in our country from a systemic point of view, which is why anytime somebody says, you know, the systemic racism, 
They're speaking out of their hind end. They have no idea what they're actually talking about. That stuff is illegal. Does not happen. If it does happen, they can be prosecuted. And if it does happen and you're claiming it's happening, my question is, why aren't you trying to prosecute them because you have legal standing? But the reality of it is, you can't prosecute something that doesn't actually exist. That's why. But this whole white privilege thing, you know, comes into play like when you hear people say and a common example is, oh, well, you know, you don't you don't cross people. The other people don't cross the street when they walk by at night when they walk by a white person because they're white. Well, I mean, I don't cross the street at night for a black person just because they're black either. If that happened, if if I crossed the street because a black person happened to be walking towards me, it's probably because I perceive a threat or that person could be threatening in some kind of manner towards me. That's just called making personal judgments and judgments based on the situation that you're currently in. We used to believe in that kind of stuff in this country. You know, if somebody's... And the, the same would be true even if it was a white person. If a white dude is dressed in neo-Nazi garb and whatever else coming towards me, I'm going to cross the street and go around them too. It has nothing to do with the fact that this dude was black. It has everything to do with the perceived threat or the potential threat that they pose to me. Or if I'm with my kids. But, again, critical race theory has to make everything about race. So it's it's solely because, you did this solely because they're black. And I'm not saying there's not racist people out there. But I've never met a single person in my life, and I've met a lot of people all over this world, who has crossed the street solely because the person coming up toward them was black. Well, I should say, uh, I have not met a person, one, who admitted it. Maybe I have met a person who's done that. They haven't admitted it, for one. And two, you're talking about people who, more than likely, if even if they did admit this happened, at least the people I know, these are probably people who lived prior to 1964 and grew up prior to 1964. And in a totally different country. I mean, we can't deny that. This is a totally different country to live in at that time than now. So, um, the whole white privilege is... You know, the American dream is more attainable for white people. White, More white people own houses just because they're white. You can get lower mortgage rates because you're white. It's not because of the effort that you've put in to maintain a good job, a good credit history, anything else. It has nothing to do with that. It only has to do with the fact that you're white. And these arguments, too, are, are becoming more and more obsolete as time goes on because, I mean... Even when I bought my house years ago, I never once met a single person involved 
in the loan process in person. It was all over the phone or through email. So I don't even know what color skin they had, much less them knowing the color skin that I have. So even from a practical level, these arguments are stupid and not coherent whatsoever. Uh, so let's just let's just speak of institutional racism because this is another huge um, theme and common theme to critical race theory. So this is um, you know access to good services, opportunities in society that are different because of your race, solely because of your race. It's you know. Um, Black people are condemned to go to garbage schools and whatever else because of the place they live. Well, okay. If in Ohio, that's not even really an, an actual argument because Ohio has uh, open enrollment pretty much anywhere. Um, and so. You can enroll your children wherever you would like. The problem is you then have to transport your child where to that school if they get a spot. But again, if your problem is you're you don't want to be you don't want your kid in the, these schools, then your chances are I would think you would do whatever it had it took to get them a better opportunity. But we don't want to talk about that. But also the fact that the people fighting against school choice also happen to be the people that you vote for, by and large. Not to say that black people vote in a, a block, but by and large, black people tend to vote for the people fighting against school choice. So you can't really complain about something that you are helping to further. And the people that whose, whose opinions and policies are of against school choice when you vote for them. You gotta have it one way or the other. You can't have it both ways. And then if if the school choice issue is not even an important issue to you and you still vote on it, then why are you complaining about it in the first place? I've had that conversation. But, I mean... It's education's a big one when they talk about that. The other one's the court system and uh, whatever else. You know, the black people that get um, harsher punishments than white people for the same crime. Um, those people fail to take into account prior incidents and criminal history um, because when you adjust for that, the punishments are typically the same. Um, because it's almost like we have a legal standard to operate by that already thought that through, you know. Um, I may not agree with some things involved in, in the legal system, but um, the fact that this exists for a reason is still a fact. And the fact that um, it's operated by is a fact. You don't just get to, and see, this is, again, this is my truth. This is my experience and whatever else. Um, you don't just get to 
create your own reality. It that's that's not how any of this works at all. Um, you don't get to just say something exists just because you feel like it, or because you want you want reality or you want your idea of reality to match your make believe ideas that you and feelings that you have in your head doesn't work that way you see this this kind of stuff is all over the place not with racism but with sexism and things like that you know um that typically applies to the feminists and things like that where you know you you hear women who want to be the victim and at the same time the strong independent woman well you can't be both at the same time. Sorry. You can be one at a time, but not both at the same time. And that gets played up in the court system, too. I know that all too well. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Ooh, internalization. So this is another one. Like uh, the you, you internalize your racism. Uh, where... You know, the the victims of racism begin to believe that they are inferior to whites and white culture who are superior. Um, and this is, you know, this, this is on the other side. This is mainly black people or people of color. And it's um, not, you have to, because you have to be the oppressed class in order to have the internalized racism or internalized racial oppression um, in this case. So, you know, it, it's not any weakness or ignorance or inferiority or psychological defect or anything else. Um, it's how authority and power and all aspects of society have contributed to your feelings of racism or your feelings of oppression. And you internalize it. Which, if that's the case, that kind of makes you complicit in the systemic oppression of people of color. But we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you know, if, if that Logically, that would be the conclusion if you were to follow that out with all these other things uh, being said. So, uh, let's see. The... As we discussed the last time with the origins of critical race theory, is it, it influenced or it is the influence of critical legal studies um, and how race applied to the law. That's also um, another view or another, yeah, another theme. That's the word I was looking for uh, in this kind of worldview. Um, there are there's many more of these things. These uh, you have un, or uh, implicit bias and unconscious bias and things like that. Um, also, equity and equality, which are not the same things. Equity is the the um, everybody has the opportunity at the same outcome. Equality is everybody has the same opportunity, um, which there's nothing wrong with equality, but there is no such thing as an actual equity in every situation. 
you know, the uh, Abraham X. Kendi wants to, or is, I don't know if they did finally set it up or what, but they either want to or are part of, uh, I think they are pushing for it to be legislated to where um, they put together a, um, like a board or a council or whatever that looks at laws across this nation and anyone who, or any single law that doesn't include an equitable outcome for all people, they're going to start labeling as racist or they want to label as racist, which is insane. That's literally every law on the book. Because guess what? <laughs> you will never be able to achieve, again, leftist ideology and, and even liberal ideology in a lot of ways is pushing and moving towards you, this idea of utopia, which will never happen on this earth. Just hate to break it to you. It, it's a false, uh, it, it, it's not a real thing. And so... Um, this is something that sure maybe, um, is honorable to strive for, but the reality of it is, is it's unattainable because not everybody lives exactly the same way. That's the thing. We all are individuals. We all make our own choices, not there are not two people on this earth who have lived the exact same life. In order to achieve utopia, you would have to have that happen. Which is also why <laughs> communism comes at the point of a gun. Um, because it tries to create uniformity in all of these things. I mean, really, fascism, even as a whole, not even just communism. Um, because Nazi Germany was the same way. You, you either jump in line or you don't and we get rid of you you know communism same way you either do what we say or we'll throw you in a gulag or we'll make you disappear for good um <laughs> you know this whole idea that everyone has to be the same and whatever else is crazy it's different from a uniform associating you with something because I get the argument a lot of times, well, the military tried to do that. Well, no. Um, the military made you all look the same. I was there. I did it. Made you look the same, but you all were still individual people. You still all made individual choices because, believe me, some of the choices of the dudes that I worked with, I would not make myself and did not make myself because they were stupid choices. I made my own stupid choices. But they weren't always exactly the same as other people because we're still different people at the end of the day. But you can't achieve utopia with having with individualism. It just doesn't work. So uh, the the idea of uh, and even the idea of critical race theory and the things that we talked about here, uh, they don't usher in utopia they don't usher in even uniformity because it's nothing but divisiveness but these people claim to want unity i mean we we got a president who one of his main themes of his campaign 
or after his campaign was quote unquote healing and unity and at the same time pushing this kind of garbage into the government and into governmental systems. I mean, the military is receiving woke training right now. There's reports all over the place on every branch. People leaving the military because of it, refusing to serve because this isn't what I signed up for, and this is not what the military has historically stood for, all because of the administration that got in, that got voted in, because they push critical race theory, because they push crap like this. We talked about the schools and stuff locally here in Cincinnati, trying to shoehorn this stuff in. If you don't believe me, go to their websites. It's on there. Go look for terms like implicit bias, unconscious bias, equity, equality, things like these. These are all words and phrases that are the principles and introduction into critical race theory. Just because it's not called, and this is the uh, one of the main arguments that we faced when we talked about Forrest Hills and whatever else is, well, they don't call it critical race theory, so it's not critical race theory. Well, that's not true either. Because I don't have to call something what it actually is in order for it to be that thing. If all of the principles are there and being taught and being introduced, I don't care what you call it. You don't have to explicitly call it what it is. You can term it anything you want. The left is wonderful at that. That's a talent that they have is to deceptively name things. You know, we've talked about the For the People Act. It's not for the people. That's to control the people. Talked about Black Lives Matter. Well, if Black Lives Matter so much, then why aren't you helping black lives? And on top of that, nobody disagrees. Nobody honestly disagrees with that phrase in the first place. We disagree with how that you're operating this quote unquote organization that's supposed to be helping people when all you're doing is a money grab, essentially, and donating to Democrat politicians. That's what is being opposed, not. Not the meaning of the phrase. So, I mean, you don't have to call it critical race theory for it to be critical race theory. I can describe to you a duck. What it looks like, what it sounds like, how it moves. All these things. And if you're familiar with what a duck is, guess what? You're probably going to say, well, yeah, you're describing a duck. Same goes for critical race theory. Same goes for political ideologies. If you understand what makes up said thing, you can then call it out when you see it. Even if it's not being termed what it actually is. Because nine times out of ten, it's not being termed what it actually is. That's why you have to have the knowledge in order to be able to understand what is really being talked about, what is really being put forth, and not just relying on uh, surface level of recognizing terms and knowledge. This is how people get manipulated. This is how cults work, guys.
This is how cults work. We call something something else and offer you, you know, in return, whatever it is that you're looking for. But we don't want to call it a cult. We're not going to call it a cult because a cult has a bad connotation. Critical race theory, as we've said in the show, is undergoing a branding issue. So it's going to be less and less and less called critical race theory when it's being introduced to your child or your school board or your workplace or wherever in your life. Because the, the phrase is too common now. It's the same as, as, you know, we don't call communism Marxism typically. Because Karl Marx has a bad connotation. But communism is something different. Now, communism also, <laughs> over time, has the same connotations. But, you see, we have to, quote-unquote, evolve the terms in order to keep trying to hide the ball on what it is we're trying to put forward. So, this is part two. Themes and, and killer views of uh, the uh, critical race theory. And so next time for part three, uh, I don't know exactly when it's going to be. Uh, might be next week, might be in a couple weeks, depending on if we get some interviews set up. Um, but So be on the lookout for part three. We're going to talk about applications and criticism and everything. Well, probably a little criticism because... I've tried to insert the criticism as we go along. <laughs> but uh, the ways that this stuff is being applied and some of the, the stuff that um, is under the rest of the umbrella of critical race theory. So anyway, I hope you all are having a great day. And I hope you come back tomorrow. If you haven't listened to the full episode, that you'll listen to this week's national, local, and bonehead segments. Um, but if not, I'll see you next time for the critical race theory talk. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and every other major podcast platform, including YouTube. Thanks for listening. Be sure to come back tomorrow so you can listen to this week's full episode. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to be a part of the show, reach out to us at cancelledoutpodcast at gmail.com. Cancelled Out is produced, directed, edited, and mixed by Scott and Max. All sourcing information can be found on our show notes at chronicles.org or in the link in the episode description on our site, cancelledout.com. Cancelled Out is a Scott and Max production, copyright 2021.